Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Some negativity happening in the grain complex today. Corn and beans saw the negative. That also moved over into the wheat complex. But if you flip the page, the negativity we felt yesterday in the cattle market definitely turned itself around, especially the feeder cattle. Did they take advantage of the lower grains? We'll find out as hogs ended up on the mixed side. So the big question of the day is how much of this is really a weather market sell-off? We're going to get that answer today as Mike Zuzolo joins us. Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics, and we keep hearing how much this weather, and I think we've been, you and I have been talking weather since February and how it would affect this trade, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. But having said that, are we really in a weather type of market sell-off at the moment? You know, Susan, I think we are partially, but, you know, my expectation on copy and then again on Monday night on copy was that the crop conditions report and the missed rains over the weekend would give, especially with triple digit heat coming in at the end of this week uh, from essentially Kansas City all the way across Missouri into St. Louis and maybe even snaking north into southern Iowa if it, and, and southern Nebraska possibly, southeast Nebraska. That, that the trade would maintain a weather and risk premium heading into Friday's grain stocks report and that the more probable situation, given the supply and given the crop conditions, especially after yesterday's update, is that we should go up and retest the highs that we've made recently. We've done the exact opposite, even though we're six points worse in good to excellent conditions at 50 percent versus 2012 at the end of Ju- uh, at the end of june um we're based upon some other research that was put out today that i haven't been able to verify both corn and bean good to excellent conditions are the lowest for this time of year since 1988 i mean talk about the whopper biggest essentially 20th modern 20th century drought that we've ever experienced and that should be sounding alarm bells, you would think, to the funds and to the managed money positions. And so then I go and I think to myself, okay, if this is not about the weather and about the corn, does that match up with the percentage gains and the percentage losses? Because wheat, it really did lead us out of the hole in terms of the rally and where it was generated from. And today we did see um, over a 5% break five almost five and a half percent break in the most heavily traded volume wise uh september soft red wheat and so my sense at this point is that something is going on with the baltics something is going on in the eu futures um maybe has to do with russia and ukraine uh, but something's happening that we don't know quite the details of yet but the more than just the weather in the corn and bean markets is at play here, especially since we're hitting 100-day moving averages again. Well, I'm glad you brought up 1988 because um, I remember that drought as, as a kid on the farm, and it was not beautiful. And I've heard a lot of references as of late from producers in my neck of the woods saying, man, it is like we went back to the 80s again, minus the big hair. And frustrating. <laughs> I, I figured you'd catch on to that. And, and frustrating, <laughs> but at the same time, they feel like they've been there, done that, and maybe feel a little bit more equipped to handle it. I think yes and no. I think the producer clients are equipped, but I'm not sure the market is equipped. And right. I, I had this discussion with a couple clients this week, and, and especially today, 
Um, whether you're looking at the hogs and how hard we took hogs down, how hard we took wheat down, um, how hard we're now taking the, the grains back down in the middle of a weather market, I really fear that we are, instead of knowing more and understanding more and being more adept at markets as, as an investment type of asset class, I, I fear that we're working ourselves more into a higher probability of having a food crisis, of having a famine. And, and I think we're going to find out a lot on the Hogs and Pigs report or find out quite a bit on the Hogs and Pigs report on Thursday as far as what kind of liquidation pressure have we seen. Will we ever get those hog producers back? And I think this is where it goes back to the, the high prices have not translated into the producer's coffers for nearly the amount of time that the retail consumer has been hit with high prices. And I think this is where it goes back to we've got five states right now, Illinois, Indiana, South Dakota, Missouri, and Michigan, that are below 50% in good to excellent corn conditions. Uh, last year at this time, we had one, and yet we're not that much difference in price versus last year at this time. Do you think the dollar, I mean, you talked a little bit ago here about everything that's going on in the Baltic and with Russia, and then we got Mexico with some trade discussions. Is the dollar kind of holding off, just kind of hanging out, not near the lows that they might be at? because they don't know what's happening globally? Yeah, I, I do think that's a big part of it. And I think also what the, I think what I'm getting and some of the research I've been doing today is a good example of it, is that there's a lot more volatility and a lot more volume that crosses over the screens based upon shifts in the weather. And I'm wondering if there's not one or two big agriculture trading AI algo funds that are not out there moving these markets so dramatically when the weather changes and not the weather in terms of what we've seen, like what we saw this past weekend, but what we're going to see five, six, seven days out. And it strikes me just looking at it from the past several weeks, um, that seems to have caught a lot of the rallies and, and especially if the wheat was on your side. So my, my sense right now at this point is we've, we've got a Baltic freight index that dropped 4.1%. Um, to last night. That was the biggest drop since June 1. We've got a weaker crude oil market again near its eight-week low. Um, I think the wheat is wrapped up in that to answer your question. And then that spills over along with these weather model traders uh, into major breaks to the downside um, that, that we hope will be recovered so that we can at least keep prices elevated for a time that producers can take advantage of it. That, that's really the key all right. Well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. As you've probably heard, there will be some changes coming for Fontenelle Hybrids. Bear Crop Science has announced Fontenelle will be joining 10 Bear Seed brands to launch the new Enhanced Channel Seed brand. You'll get the same excellent products and service you come to expect from Fontenelle, along with expanded product offerings and increased agronomy support. You'll still be able to purchase your trusted Fontenelle products for 2024, and rest assured we'll work hard to continue to earn your business through this transition. Read and follow pesticide label directions, green marketing, and other stewardship practices. Fontenelle and Channel are trademarks of Bear Group. ARVN. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation this afternoon with Mike Suzalo. Again, Mike is with Global Commodity Analytics. And we were kind of talking um, on the first half about the global happenings. Well, we don't have to look very far to see some tariff discussions happening once again. And this looks like maybe some imposing of white corn tariffs 
on imported corn out of Mex- or coming into Mexico. Yeah, and you know, this is one of those issues, it, as you say, it's white corn, it's food grade, but it almost feels like kind of the camel's nose getting into the tent at this point if, if they would succeed and we couldn't come to some resolution that at some point down the road then that would make them, uh, they being the Mexican government, work harder on feed corn and, and trying to change the NAFTA and even maybe even before that time period. Um, I think this is one of the most serious issues we have to, to continue to watch. It's probably up there with ethanol policy changes because just the sheer size of what Mexico purchases from us, and, and they, they just carry such a big bat. And um, I, I'm confident that we can work something out with them, Susan, because I don't think there are enough uh, competitors that we have and substitution of food-grade corn, that they would be able to go to that next step at this point. Um, But clearly, if Brazil would get bigger and Argentina would come back and have a good crop uh, in in the corn market, we may start to see more competition, even if they don't take that uh, feed-grade corn and and try and get rules changed on that as far as what they accept on GMO versus non-GMO. We may be seeing the beginnings, unfortunately, of what we've seen for the last 10 or 15 years in wheat and with the Black Sea, that we lose our place uh, as the number one seller. And instead we go down the list two or three or maybe number four, depending on what what Latin America does and, and also what the currency markets do. You talked about that in the first session. That, that's extremely important right now because a lot of the BRIC countries, Brazil being one of them, um, really wants to try and take away the dollar as an invoicing currency. Um, so that we they can do more bilateral trade. And that looks very appealing to countries like Argentina. Argentina is actively using a lot more Chinese currency than they probably ever have just because of their inflation, and they literally can't get dollars at this point. Um, that, that maybe is not too far down the road for some of these other Latin American countries that have extremely high inflation. So it, it is definitely on the top five of my list. Well, before we switch over to the livestock side, you did mention we do have a big report coming out on Friday. How much influence between now and Friday's numbers at 11 will this grain stock report have? Yeah, this is part of the original question you asked me about how much of this is weather in terms of the break to the downside. And, and I can tell you that in Cincinnati and in Memphis, um, soybean basis jumped 26 cents today and 24 cents today. Um, I think that the spreads in the futures market as we get ready for July delivery at the end of this week and we see these grain stocks numbers at the end of this week on Friday, um, they really may have something to say about the flat price action and how tight we are in old crop supplies. Um, the July D's corn spread is running 60 to 63 cents right now, positive to July very strong for this time of year, uh, makes it feel more like a post-2012 type market. Uh, the July no-bean spread even more so, $2 to 210 uh, as we closed out today. And earlier this week, we had a new contract high in that July no-bean spread. And, and, and that really says something. And you've got to wonder what those old crop supplies are, that 22 ending stocks number. I'm part of that group of analysts out there that thinks that the USDA made last year's crops too big and that maybe on Friday we'll find that out. Hogs and Pigs Report comes out on Thursday. Any other thoughts that you have on those numbers, what we could see? 
Yeah, it's a good report to try and measure what USDA did in their last WASDE report. They only increased the pork production for this year by about 5 million, ton, uh, 5 million pounds. That's a lot smaller than I thought they would, given the anecdotal and, and news-heavy uh, sow liquidation stories that we saw in the past three or four months. That We're coming off of a really friendly cold storage report. Pork supplies are down below where they were last year, uh, 2022, for this time of year. So I, I would probably be looking at hedges in the hog sector uh, heading into Friday's numbers just in case we do see uh, more liquidation pressure that shows up. And that, that would suggest more poundage coming at the end of this year. And real quick, that turnaround in the cattle market, can it, can it continue tomorrow? You know, I think it can because we do have like a base price of 180 in the cash market. The June fats go off on Friday. They, they were carrying a discount of about $2, maybe $4, depending on where you're looking. And then the August was carrying an even bigger discount. So I think if the theaters continue to go higher, the equities continue to go higher on good economic like we saw today, I think the fats do have some upside momentum to them. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Mike? Best way is to go to globalcomresearch.com. It's globalcom with two Ms, research.com. Check out our product services. Sign up for a free two-week trial. And we'll get that started right away. All right. That is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.